0: Today is the third Sunday in Advent. We've already uh, lit the first candle, the prophecy candle, and talked about all the Old Testament prophecies of the Savior who was to come. And then last week we lit the Bethlehem candle and the preparation of all that God had done through uh, all of time in preparing the coming of the Messiah. And today we'll light the shepherd's candle And the shepherd's candle is all about joy, the the message of joy that the angels gave to the shepherds, that they announced on that night, that we have sung about, that we have read about. And so we're going to be going through that passage Uh, that I just read through, both this week and next week. This week, focusing on the shepherds. Next week, on the fourth candle of Advent, focusing on the angels. So we'll be in this passage for the next two weeks. And so if you have a Bible, grab it and make your way to that passage. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a black one around you. And we are going to be on page 856 and those that are around you. While you're finding that, I have a confession to make to you. Uh, And it is that uh, when I was a kid, I thought my parents lied to me about many things. Uh, But one of which I thought they lied to me was this idea of it is better to give than to receive. (laughs) Mom, (laughs) that is a lie, right? That's the way I felt. I don't want to give toys. I want to get toys. I don't want to give my money. I want to get money. I wanted those things to be given to me. But as I've aged and now I'm an adult with kids of my own, I see, like with many things with my parents that I thought were lies, that they were right. And that there is now for me more joy in giving things than in getting them. Now, the the old man is still alive. The flesh is still there. I still like to get, right? But I do see that there's more joy in giving. And it's because I like, to, like talking about my kids, thinking about my kids for a minute. I like to make them happy. I like to see them smile. I like to see the response that they have to uh, gifts that we, we give them. And so over the years, whether it's birthdays or Christmas or whatever, the responses that they have given, I mean, I've seen them scream, squeal, you know, uh, jump up and and down, clapping. I've seen one literally fall on the ground, legs in the air, arms in the air, just flailing in sheer excitement about what uh, we have given to them. And so it's their response that I love to see. This morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture that's maybe a little bit familiar, it's the response of the shepherds that I really want us to take note of. How they respond. Because in how they respond, there are several things that I think are very teaching for us that can instruct us in how we too are to respond to this message of joy. This good news of great joy that's been delivered. How are we to respond to that? And the the shepherds respond in three pretty specific ways that are pretty easy to see in the text that I want to try to expose. You may even be able to pick them out as we're going through. And so I just want to share those with us this morning, just by way of kind of instruction for us, especially as we get ready to, you know, we're just... A couple of days, we're 10 days away from Christmas morning. And so these three responses that can teach us so much, all right? So we'll take them one at a time, but there's a little bit of prep work I want us to see as we try to dial down this familiarity with the passage. I want you to kind of feel it afresh for a minute. Because if you, if you are hearing this story for the first time, right, so, so, like, we're watching um, a video of some work that the IMB personnel are doing, and, and that's probably in uh, rural Central Asia, um, where I'll be leading a team, we'll go to a metropolitan area, uh, but of that same country um, this summer. But for someone who's never heard the story of Christmas, it is a crazy story, just, I mean, Think about it. Put yourself there for a minute. You never heard this story. And you hear a story of unwed teenagers, right, traveling alone to Bethlehem. They are, Mary is pregnant out of wedlock. And it comes time for the baby to be born. They can't find anywhere to stay. All of the hotels are, you know, full so they can find nowhere to stay, so they wind up staying in a stable, right? And so if we want to bring that into modern terms, like stable is where the, the, your, your animals of transportation live, right? So bringing that into modern day, where the Savior of the world is born, is basically the parking garage behind the Marriott. This is where, the, this is where the, your mode of transportation stays. And so it is a crazy crazy story. And then on top of that, what day is Jesus born on? Like not, we can debate like the date, but what's going on? What day is he born on? Tax day. if, If God doesn't have a sense of humor, he sends the Savior into the world on tax day when we all need a Savior, right? We all need a Savior every day, but sometimes on tax day in particular. But he comes on tax day. And then on top of that, all these crazy things, unwet all this, traveling, tax day, the Savior of the world is born. Everything that since the dawn of humanity, since before the foundations of the world, that the Lord has been orchestrating, and working, this day finally comes, culminates on this day with the Savior of the world being born. And of all the people that God could have first announced this news to, he doesn't go to Rome, the center of the Roman Empire. He doesn't go to Alexandria and Egypt, a major, major city. He doesn't even go to Jerusalem. He goes to a field outside of Bethlehem to a bunch of, save, to a bunch of shepherds in a field that where very likely David wrote Psalm 23 and many of his other psalms in those very same fields. And he comes to a bunch of mangy shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. Guys that by this time in history are largely scorned, outcast, ridiculed. It's who he goes to. And as you read through the Bible, and even as we talked a little bit last week, this is just vintage Yahweh. This is just how he works. This is what he does. He comes to the lowly. He comes to the despised. He comes to the rejected and to the ordinary. Last night, the uh, elders and, and their spouses gathered at Jeff Williams' house uh, for just kind of an elders' party. And as we were playing, playing in that, we were like reading these cards. Jeff was asking these questions. And you were talking about memories. I learned more about those guys and some things. I, I mean, crazy things. I never knew about them. But learned more about them in that bit of time than, than we have in, in a couple of years of knowing one another. But in the background, uh, during that whole time, on, the TV was just kind of scrolling. It was turned down. But the old school claymation Rudolph came on. Uh, and we were kind of watching that. And, and as we were sitting there, it made me think a little bit about the island of misfit toys. That's us. like That's the church. That's who God has love for. Not those who are self-righteous and think they have it all together, but those who know they don't, who know they need a Savior. The island of misfit toys. That's us. And that is who God works through. As one guy put it, The church mostly advances along the winding path of the ordinary and the outcasts, the misfits and the forgotten. I mean, this is one of the things that the nativity should just show us. Because when you look at a nativity scene, particularly like what's been described here in this section in chapter two, who, who all is there? You have Mary, teenage little girl. You have Joseph. Nothing really noteworthy about Joseph. They're in Bethlehem. Insignificant in a lot of ways. We talked about Micah five. It's the smallest. Right, of clan clans, not even big enough to be called a clan. And you have some shepherds. Just very ordinary people. Which should be super encouraging to us because it is the ordinary that God works through. And the whole nativity shows us something wonderfully ordinary. Except for Jesus, who is the extraordinary friend of of ordinary sinners like each of us and so that's the picture that's what's going on that's the background it's tax night the shepherds around Beth- bethlehem are, are they're just waiting for dawn to come they're waiting for the sun to come up when something happens that's even brighter than the sun and so if you have your bible open look at verse nine with me again we'll start in the eight and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were, King James, sore with fear. They were filled with great fear. This is what always happens when angels show up in the Bible. People are terrified. So the first thing out of their mouth, and the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all. All the people. And so this is a global announcement on one hand. I want you to see that it is for all the people. This message is to go to all the people. But also, watch this. Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord for unto you like the shepherds, yes, but you, this is personal. don't don't let it slip by when you read this and you've heard Linus announce it so many times on you know Charlie Brown, you've read this so many times but don't let it slip by you that unto you and you and you, you and you and you and you and you and you and you unto you you the savior has been born knowing all your issues knowing all your problems Knowing all your real motivations, all your thoughts, all your sin, knowing all of that. God in his grace worked such that unto you was born that day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord for you. And that truth, that glorious truth Emphasizes both the bad news of Christmas and the good news of Christmas. See, the bad news that Christmas announces on like, you know, high definition is that we are so sinful that there is no other way that we could be saved than for God to incarnate, become a man, take on flesh and live the life that we haven't lived die the death that we deserve to die, and then rise again in victory over sin and death. That's the bad news of Christmas. There's no other way, and it it tells us that. This This is the only way. This is what God had to do. That's the bad news that it tells us about ourselves, that we are deserving of judgment. But the good news is that God wasn't willing to leave us in that state. Instead, he chose to send Jesus on a rescue mission to save us from our sin, from Satan, and even from ourselves. And he didn't do it because of something he saw in you. He did it because of something that was in him. Grace and mercy and kindness and love. And so the bad news of Christmas, we can't skip over it. It's saying, hey, you need a savior. But the good news of Christmas is that God sent one. He sent his only son. And this savior is both the savior for the world, it's the global thing, world of misfit toys. And individually for each one of us who is just as much a misfit toy as the shepherds are. But let's look at what the shepherds did. All right, let's get into the responses now. Because I think this teaches us a lot. Because when they announce this good news, the shepherds don't just stand there like a, a bump on the log. They they do something. Look at, look at verse 15. When the, when the angels went away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. What that means is they didn't walk. They ran. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And so what did the shepherds do when they heard this message? They believed the good news and they ran to Jesus. They believed the good news and they ran to Jesus. In other words, they responded with faith. That's going to be number one in your, in your notes, how, what we should do. Also, we should respond with faith to this good news. And, and what faith is, is it's believing that good news and running to Jesus believing the bad news that we need a sinner believing the good news that god has sent a sinner and running to sent a savior and running to that savior i just i just said heresy let's redo that whole line again believing the bad news that we need a savior believing the good news that god has sent that savior and then running to that savior that's salvation You don't have to first go get clean, get sober, get, you know, all cleaned up. And then you can come to God, get right, get moral, those sort of things. No, you believe the good news and you run to Jesus and he will start cleaning you up after that. You just fall at his feet and you say, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I have rebelled against you. I know that I have called what is evil good and I've called what is good evil. I know that I'm undeserving. I know that You know every thought of my mind, every God-belittling moment in my life, every time I've rejected you, spit on, spit in your face, despised you, every time I've run from you. You know all of that. But praise you, Jesus, you came for me. You were born into this world for me, and I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior My only hope at being made right with the God of the universe. Friend, if you have never truly, truly received this good news of great joy personally, why won't you do so today? Trust Christ, for unto you, He was born for you. Under you is born this day. A Savior. You need one. He's come. Trust Christ. Trust Him. If you want to talk a little bit more about that after the service, be sure. Let's, let's find a room. Let's talk a little bit. Let's find a chair. Let's talk a little bit. Trust Christ. Kent Hughes, I read a quote of his this morning. It's so good. As we talk about responding with faith and as we think, especially this time of the year. It's not enough, this is what he wrote, it's not enough to hear about Jesus. It's not enough to peek in the manger and say, oh, how nice, what a lovely scene. It gives me such good feelings. The truth is, even if Christ were born in Bethlehem a thousand times, but not within you, you would be eternally lost. The Christ who is born into the world must be born in your heart. Religious sentiment, even at Christmas time, without the living Christ is a yellow brick road to darkness. Friends, Jesus, the friend of sinners, has come. Respond with faith. Okay? It's number one. Number two. Respond to the good news with mission. Respond to the good news with mission, with evangelism, with sharing. Look at at verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. All right, and so the shepherds here, they've heard the message of the angel angels they go and they've seen the child and now overwhelmed at what they've seen and experienced they go away from there and they tell everyone okay they respond to this good news with faith and then that faith drives them to respond also with mission they couldn't keep their mouths shut they couldn't it's like at christmas time when you're a kid and you know you you, you get that thing that um, you re- had really really wanted like I got remember one year I got a I got a pair of Air Jordan basketball shoes like I really really wanted them. I got them and then one year I got a 20 gauge shotgun. I was ten years old that's how we roll in Pine Lock. <laughs> and I really really wanted one and so when I got those I mean I couldn't wait to to, to tell my friend so go to go to the phone and it's rotary right? And call and talk to them and, you know, we couldn't keep our mouths shut. We wanted to share with one another, you know, the gift that we had received. I mean, that's what happens. Friday night, there's 20 of us. We've already bought all the tickets. We're going to go watch Star Wars. Guarantee you, Saturday morning, I'm going to want to be talking about it, right? Because I enjoy that. That's what you do with things that you enjoy, what you like, what you value what you enjoy you you talk about those things you you put them on facebook right or on instagram because you want to share it with other people also because you're a little bit narcissistic i am too so not pointing fingers we all do that but that's what the shepherds did like they had seen this they wanted other people to know they wanted people to know about like what they had experienced about this good news about what the angels had told them about the savior he had come he had been born And so they left that place, verse 17, and they made it known. And here's where we need to know a couple of things. They didn't wait until they were trained in how to share the good news. They didn't wait until they felt adequate to, you know, well, uh, uh, how, how do I talk about this? They just went and told people around them about what Jesus had done for them, about what the angels had told them, about the fact that the Savior had been Born, and that's that's what we're to do. It's not rocket science. A lot of times we overcomplicate it. Sometimes it's just telling people about Jesus. And so, listen, we we should absolutely pray and give and go to the nations. Right? And this is what we watch the video. It's why we're doing our Christmas missions offering this time of the year. That's why twelve percent of our budget goes to various missions endeavors. That's why I'll be leading that team this summer to Central Asia. And if if you're interested in going that July 16th to 28th, let me know. And so, yeah, absolutely, we should pray and we should give and we should go to the nations. But we should also do all of those things for our neighbors. Not just there, but here. I mean, look at skip down to verse 20 and just note this real quick. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And so where did the shepherds go and tell all of this good news to everybody who was around them in verse 17? Where did they go? They went back to the fields. They went back home. They just returned. They went back home. They went back to their schools. They went back to their places of employment. They went back to their shopping centers and markets. They went back to where they worked out. They went back to all. all, They just went home to their spheres of influence. And we all have those. And this is nothing new that we're talking about. We know that this is what we should do, we just don't. respond like the shepherds respond with mission both in our lives and in our words and sometimes listen it takes years of little things piling up like kindling until God puts that spark and the kindling burns of you know it 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 flames up sometimes it takes time but just keep laying kindling all you're called to do is deliver the mail You're not called to open it up and see if they're going to like the mail or not. You just deliver it. And one of the easiest things you can do this time of the year, John talked about, is just inviting people for Christmas Eve. Just inviting your 8 to 15 people. That's what a basic sphere of influence is, is usually 8 to 15 people. Just inviting your 8 to 15 people to come on Christmas Eve. We're going to sing some carols. We're going to read some scripture. There will be a little bit of narration. We'll have a a choir. We'll light candles and we'll sing Silent Night by Candlelight in here. It's always great. Just invite. Super easy. That's beginning the conversation. Super easy. And so let's do that. Let's invite. And let's let every time we see this shepherd candle remind us that we are to respond with faith and we are to respond with mission. And that 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 I said, we that's true. That, that is truly we. It's not me. Like, I don't share my faith because I'm a pastor. I share my faith because I'm a Christian. My job as a pastor is something else. My job as a Christian is sharing my faith. Your job as a Christian is. Is to do the same. It is a we. We do this. That's a Christian's job. We go tell it on the mountain. Right? And so let's go tell it. That's number two. Respond with mission. Now finally number three. Which is really like a big category. That the first two would roll up underneath. <clears throat> but it's, it's this. Respond to the good news. With never ending worship. Respond to the good news. With never ending ending worship we'll give verse 17 again and when they saw it they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child right they're telling everybody about it and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them like they're amazed by this message but mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart and the shepherds returned We talk about glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And so again, number three, respond to the good news with never-ending worship. They go back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And so we we respond to the good news with never-ending worship. Because if you are in Christ, if you have trusted the Savior who's coming to the world, he has set you free. Now, Jesus didn't just come to tidy you up a little bit, clean you up a little bit. I mean, Ephesians 2 lays it out pretty stark. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Listen to the, not just a little tidying up here. Following the course of this world, just the the way the world works, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's Satan blinded to, like, outside of Christ. You can't help but follow Satan. That's what sin is. Among whom we all once lived. So we're, set, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're following the pattern of this world. We're following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind, it wasn't a tidying up. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith and this not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works. So that no one may boast. It's not a tidying up that we needed. It's not just a little cleaning up like like you would with a dead plant in your garden. What do you do with a dead plant in your garden? You don't sit there and try to put some fertilizer on it and try to tidy it up and, you know, tape on some green leaves and stuff. That's not what you do. You reach down in the dirt and you grab it by the roots and you rip it out and you plant something new. That is what happens when Christ saves you. He rips the deadness out of you and he plants something in you new. Jesus takes out of you the poison, out of you your sin. And he puts into you, he plants in you, he imputes, it's the Bible word imputes, puts on you his righteousness. He takes your sin, he gives you his righteousness. That's the whole, re- And that's the whole reason he came, to take your sin, to give you his righteousness, to save you. Matthew 1, 21, she will bear a son. This is why Jesus came. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came for you and 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 for me. That's why he came. And don't ever, ever get over that. But go on, verse twenty, glorifying and praising God for all you have heard and seen. And the reason I say go on is because, like, I'm not great at language, but the commentary said that is a continuing action verb. (laughs) Continuing action is like an Energizer Bunny; like it just keeps going. Like you're to just keep going. You're to keep on keeping on, you're to keep on doing this, you're to keep on glorifying and praising God for all you've seen and heard, for all you've seen, for all you've heard. Continue praising, continue on praising him for all that he is, the son of God. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the second person of the Trinity, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The Savior, the Redeemer. Continue praising him for all that he is and all that he has done living in your place, dying in your place, rising in your place so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be given eternal life, so that you can be set free and not just made right with God, but in this world adopted into his family and doted on by a loving dad who is proud of his son and his daughter, not because of how awesome you are, but because of the fact that you are in Christ and he loves his son. And he can't love him more and he can't love him less. And if you are in Christ, he can't love you more and he can't love you less. And he is proud of you because of Christ. And he loves you. He loves you. Like, really? I I feel like a lot of times we're like, oh, he tolerates me. God tolerates me. He loves you. Jesus would not have left the glories of heaven and been born in a stable, right? The parking garage behind Marriott if he did not love you. He would not have hung on the cross. That's why we even change some words in here when we sing this, is the power of the cross. we say There's a line that says, it was my sin that held him there. We don't sing it that way because sin doesn't have power over, over Christ. We sing it, it was his love that held him there because he stayed on the cross. He could have come down at any moment. He stayed on the cross because he loves you and he was paying for your sin. Not because sin had power over him. It was his love that kept him up. So we keep praising him for that. He's adopted us, that he loves us, and there's a future promise, right? This is First Advent. Second Advent is coming when he will return, and it's Revelation 21. And God Himself will be with them as their are God, and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, "Behold, I'm making all things new." Also he said, "Write this down for these words are trustworthy and true." And he said to me, "It is done. I am the alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, your friends. This, this is the culmination of the good news of great joy. It's going to all culminate in the new heavens and the new earth in eternity. With a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Friends, Jesus has come, first advent has happened to rescue you personally, personally, for unto you has been born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so may we all take a lesson from the shepherd. And respond to this good news with faith. And respond to this good news with mission. And respond to this good news with never-ending worship. Because the greatest gift that has ever been given was not under a tree. He hung on one. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you that you are so gracious and merciful, abounding in loving kindness. Such as you would send your son into this world, and that, Jesus, you would die willingly, in our place, for our sins, as our substitute, it would help us not to confuse the message of Christmas this season as trying to manufacture sentimental feelings. Father, rather would you cause us to slow down and ponder? in silent not able to speak thanksgiving in bewilderment at why in awe and thanksgiving that you would send unto us a savior and that, that Jesus you would be born to die for our sins And to forever be Emmanuel. God with us. With us in our trials. With us in our joys. So we praise you Jesus. We praise you Father. We praise you Spirit. Stir in us. That we we may respond to the message of joy like the shepherds in Christ's name